2. As between the eye and the object seen by it. The second essential in painting is appropriate action and a due variety in the figures, so that the men may not all look like brothers. And see. Footnote. This and the two foregoing chapters must have been written in 1513 to 1516. They undoubtedly indicate the scheme which Leonardo wished to carry out in arranging his researches on perspective as applied to painting. This is important because it is an evidence against the supposition of H. Ludwig and others, that Leonardo had collected his principles of perspective in one book so early as before 1500, a book which, according to the hypothesis, must have been lost at a very early period, or destroyed possibly, by the French, in 1500 C. H. Ludwig, Vinci. Das Buch van der Mallory I. Vienna 1882 II. 7 and 8. The use of the book on painting. 18. These rules are of use only in correcting the figures, since every man makes some mistakes in his first compositions and he who knows them not, cannot amend them. But you, knowing your errors, will correct your works and where you find mistakes amend them, and remember never to fall into them again. But if you try to apply these rules in composition you will never make an end, and will produce confusion in your works. These rules will enable you to have a free and sound judgment, since good judgment is born of clear understanding, and a clear understanding comes of reasons derived from sound rules, and sound rules are the issue of sound experience the common mother of all the sciences and arts. Hence, bearing in mind the precepts of my rules, you will be able, merely by your amended judgment, to criticize and recognize everything that is out of proportion in a work, whether in the perspective or in the figures or anything else. Necessity of Theoretical Knowledge 19. 20. 19. Of the mistakes made by those who practice without knowledge. Those who are in love with practice without knowledge are like the sailor who gets into a ship without rudder or compass and who never can be certain whether he is going. Practice must always be founded on sound theory and to this perspective is the guide and the gateway, and without this nothing can be done well in the matter of drawing. 20. The painter who draws merely by practice and by eye, without any reason, is like a mirror which copies everything placed in front of it without being conscious of their existence. The function of the eye 21-23-21. Introduction to perspective, that is of the function of the eye. Behold here, O reader, a thing concerning which we cannot trust our forefathers the ancients, who tried to define what the soul and life are which are beyond proof, whereas those things, which can at any time be clearly known and proved by experience, remain for many ages unknown or falsely understood, the I, whose function we so certainly know by experience, has, down to my own time, been defined by an infinite number of authors as one thing, but I find, by experience, that it is quite another. Footnote, in section 13 we already find it indicated that the study of perspective and of optics is to be based on that of the functions of the eye. Leonardo also refers to the science of the eye, in his astronomical researches, for instance in his F25 Biordine del Pruvere Loterasere Unistella, in Prima di Finis Locchio, and C. Compare also Mizzi 15B and F60B, the principles of astronomical perspective, 22. Here in the eye forms, here colors, here the character of every part of the universe are concentrated to a point, and that point is so marvelous a thing. Oh, marvelous, O stupendous necessity by thy laws thou dost compel every effect to be the direct result of its cause, by the shortest path. These indeed are miracles.
in so small a space it can be reproduced and rearranged in its whole expanse. Describe in your anatomy what proportion there is between the diameters of all the images in the eye and the distance from them of the crystalline lens. 23. Of the ten attributes of the eye, all concerned in painting. Painting is concerned with all the ten attributes of sight, which are, darkness, light, solidity and color, form and position, distance and propinquity, motion and rest. This little work of mine will be a tissue of the studies of these attributes, reminding the painter of the rules and methods by which he should use his art to imitate all the works of nature which adorn the world. 24. On Painting. Variability of the eye. First, the pupil of the eye contracts, in proportion to the increase of light which is reflected in it. Second, the pupil of the eye expands in proportion to the diminution in the daylight, or any other light, that is reflected in it. Third, the eye perceives and recognizes the objects of its vision with greater intensity in proportion as the pupil is more widely dilated, and this can be proved by the case of nocturnal animals, such as cats and certain birds as the owl and others in which the pupil varies in a high degree from large to small, and see, when in the dark or in the light. Fourth, the eye out of doors in an illuminated atmosphere sees darkness behind the windows of houses which nevertheless are light. Fifth, all colors when placed in the shade appear of an equal degree of darkness, among themselves. Sixth, but all colors when placed in a full light, never vary from their true and essential hue. Twenty-five of the eye. Focus of sight. If the eye is required to look at an object placed too near to it, it cannot judge of it well as happens to a man who tries to see the tip of his nose. Hence, as a general rule, nature teaches us that an object can never be seen perfectly unless the space between it and the eye is equal, at least, to the length of the face. Differences of perception by one eye and by both eyes 26 29. 26. Of the eye. When both eyes direct the pyramid of sight to an object, that object becomes clearly seen and comprehended by the eyes. 27. Objects seen by one and the same eye appear sometimes large, and sometimes small. 28. The motion of a spectator who sees an object at rest often makes it seem as though the object at rest had acquired the motion of the moving body, while the moving person appears to be at rest. On painting, objects in relief, when seen from a short distance with one eye look like a perfect picture, if you look with the eye, at the spot, this point will appear to be it, and if you look at it with the eye, will appear to be it, a picture can never contain in itself both aspects, 29, let the object in relief be seen by both eyes, if you will look at the object with the right eye, keeping the left eye shut, the object will appear, or fill up the space, and if you shut the right eye and open the left, the object will occupy the space, and if you open both eyes, the object will no longer appear at or, but at, why will not a picture seen by both eyes produce the effect of relief, as real relief does when seen by both eyes, and why should a picture seen with one eye give the same effect of relief as real relief would under the same conditions of light and shade, footnote, in the sketch, is the left eye and the right, while the text reverses this lettering, We must therefore suppose that the face in which the eyes and are placed is opposite to the spectator. 30. The comparative size of the image depends on the amount of light. 30. 39. The eye will hold and retain in itself the image of a luminous body better than that of a shaded object. The reason is that the eye is in itself perfectly dark and since two things that are alike cannot be distinguished. Therefore the night, and other dark objects cannot be seen or recognized by the eye. 
light is totally contrary and gives more distinctness, and counteracts and differs from the usual darkness of the eye, hence it leaves the impression of its image. 31. Every object we see will appear larger at midnight than at midday, and larger in the morning than at midday. This happens because the pupil of the eye is much smaller at midday than at any other time. 32. The pupil which is largest will see objects the largest. This is evident when we look at luminous bodies, and particularly at those in the sky. When the eye comes out of darkness and suddenly looks up at these bodies, they at first appear larger and then diminish, and if you were to look at those bodies through a small opening, you would see them smaller still, because a smaller part of the pupil would exercise its function. 33. When the eye, coming out of darkness suddenly sees a luminous body, it will appear much larger at first sight than after long looking at it. The illuminated object will look larger and more brilliant, when seen with two eyes than with only one. A luminous object will appear smaller in size, when the eye sees it through a smaller opening. A luminous body of an oval form will appear rounder in proportion as it is farther from the eye. 34. Why when the eye has just seen the light, does the half-light look dark to it? And in the same way if it turns from the darkness the half-light look very bright. 35. On painting, if the eye, when out of doors in the luminous atmosphere, sees a place in shadow, this will look very much darker than it really is. This happens only because the eye when out in the air contracts the pupil in proportion as the atmosphere reflected in it is more luminous. And the more the pupil contracts, the less luminous do the objects appear that it sees. But as soon as the eye enters into a shady place the darkness of the shadow suddenly seems to diminish. This occurs because the greater the darkness into which the pupil goes the more its size increases. And this increase makes the darkness seem less. Footnote 14, La Luce Entrera. Luce occurs here in the sense of pupil of the eye as in No. 51, CA 84B, 245A, I5, and in many other places. 36. On Perspective. The eye which turns from a white object in the light of the sun and goes into a less fully lighted place will see everything as dark. And this happens either because the pupils of the eyes which have rested on this brilliantly lighted white object have contracted so much that, given at first a certain extent of surface, they will have lost more than three-four of their size, and, lacking in size, they are also deficient in seeing power. Though you might say to me, a little bird then coming down would see comparatively little and from the smallness of his pupils the white might seem black. To this I should reply that here we must have regard to the proportion of the mass of that portion of the brain which is given up to the sense of sight and to nothing else, or to return this pupil in man dilates and contracts according to the brightness or darkness of surrounding objects, and since it takes some time to dilate and contract, it cannot see immediately on going out of the light and into the shade, nor, in the same way, out of the shade into the light and this very thing has already deceived me in painting an eye, and from that I learned it. 37. Experiment showing the dilatation and contraction of the pupil, from the motion of the sun and other luminaries, in proportion as the sky is darker the stars appear of larger size, and if you were to light up the medium these stars would look smaller, and this difference arises solely from the pupil which dilates and contracts with the amount of light in the medium which is interposed between the eye and the luminous body. Let the experiment be made, by placing a candle above your head at the same time that you look at a star, then gradually lower the candle till it is on a level with the ray that comes from the star to the eye, and then you will see the star diminish so much that you will almost lose sight of it. 38. 
the pupil of the eye, in the open air, changes in size with every degree of motion from the sun, and at every degree of its changes one and the same object seen by it will appear of a different size, although most frequently the relative scale of surrounding objects does not allow us to detect these variations in any single object we may look at. 39. The eye which sees all objects reversed retains the images for some time. This conclusion is proved by the results, because, the eye having gazed at light retains some impression of it. After looking at it there remain in the eye images of intense brightness, that make any last brilliant spot seem dark until the eye has lost the last trace of the impression of the stronger light. I.I. Linear Perspective We see clearly from the concluding sentence of section 49 where the author directly addresses the painter, that he must certainly have intended to include the elements of mathematics in his book on the art of painting. They are therefore here placed at the beginning. In section 50 the theory of the pyramid of sight is distinctly and expressly put forward as the fundamental principle of linear perspective, and sections 50 to 257 treat of it fully. This theory of sight can scarcely be traced to any author of antiquity. Such passages as occur in Euclid for instance, may, it is true, have proved suggestive to the painters of the Renaissance, but it would be rash to say anything decisive on this point. Leon Battista Alberti treats of the Pyramid of Sight at some length in his first book of painting, but his explanation differs widely from Leonardo's in the details. Leonardo, like Alberti, may have borrowed the broad lines of his theory from some views commonly accepted among painters at the time but he certainly worked out its application in a perfectly original manner. The axioms as to the perception of the pyramid of rays are followed by explanations of its origin, and proofs of its universal application 5869. The author recurs to the subject with endless variations, it is evidently of fundamental importance in his artistic theory and practice. It is unnecessary to discuss how far this theory has any scientific value at the present day, so much as this, at any rate seems certain, that from the artist's point of view it may still claim to be of immense practical utility. According to Leonardo, on one hand, the laws of perspective are an inalienable condition of the existence of objects in space, on the other hand, by a natural law, the eye, whatever it sees and wherever it turns, is subjected to the perception of the pyramid of rays in the form of a minute target, thus it sees objects in perspective independently of the will of the spectator. Since the eye receives the images by means of the pyramid of rays, just as a magnet attracts iron. In connection with this we have the function of the eye explained by the camera obscura. And this is all the more interesting and important because no writer previous to Leonardo had treated of this subject 7073. Subsequent passages, of no less special interest, betray his knowledge of refraction and of the inversion of the image in the camera and in the eye 7482. From the principle of the transmission of the image to the eye and to the camera obscura he deduces the means of producing an artificial construction of the pyramid of rays or which is the same thing of the image. The fundamental axioms as to the angle of sight and the vanishing point are thus presented in a manner which is as complete as it is simple and intelligible. 86-89. Leonardo distinguishes between simple and complex perspective 90. 91. The last sections treat of the apparent size of objects at various distances and of the way to estimate it 90 to 109. General remarks on perspective 40-41. 40. On painting. Perspective is the best guide to the art of painting. 41. The art of perspective is of such a nature as to make what is flat appear in relief and what is in relief flat. 
The elements of perspective of the point 40 to 46. 42. All the problems of perspective are made clear by the five terms of mathematicians, which are, the point, the line, the angle, the superficies and the solid. The point is unique of its kind, and the point has neither height, breadth, length, nor depth. Once it is to be regarded as indivisible and as having no dimensions in space, the line is of three kinds, straight, curved and sinuous and it has neither breadth, height, nor depth. Hence it is indivisible, excepting in its length, and its ends are two points. The angle is the junction of two lines in a point. 43. A point is not part of a line. 44. Of the natural point. The smallest natural point is larger than all mathematical points. And this is proved because the natural point has continuity. And anything that is continuous is infinitely divisible. But the mathematical point is indivisible because it has no size. Footnote. This definition was inserted by Leonardo on a miscopy on parchment of the well-known Trattato di Cattara Civile Militare and C. By Francesco di Giorgio, opposite a passage where the author says, In primo he di sapir che punto e quella peri della quelli he nola linea he lanchesa senza e pisa, and C. 45. 1. The superficies is a limitation of the body. 2. And the limitation of a body is no part of that body. 4. And the limitation of one body is that which begins another. 3. That which is not part of any body is nothing. Nothing is that which fills no space. If one single point placed in a circle may be the starting point of an infinite number of lines, and the termination of an infinite number of lines, there must be an infinite number of points separable from this point, and these when reunited become one again, once it follows that the part may be equal to the whole. 46. The point being indivisible, occupies no space, that which occupies no space is nothing, the limiting surface of one thing is the beginning of another, 2, that which is no part of any body is called nothing, 1, that which has no limitations, has no form, the limitations of two conterminous bodies are interchangeably the surface of each, all the surfaces of a body are not parts of that body, of the line 47 48, 47, definition of the nature of the line, the line has in itself neither matter nor substance and may rather be called an imaginary idea than a real object, and this being its nature it occupies no space. Therefore an infinite number of lines may be conceived of as intersecting each other at a point, which has no dimensions and is only of the thickness if thickness it may be called of one single line. How we may conclude that a superficies terminates in a point, an angular surface is reduced to a point where it terminates in an angle, or if the sides of that angle are produced in a straight line, then beyond that angle another surface is generated, smaller, or equal to, or larger than the first. 48. Of drawing outline. Consider with the greatest care the form of the outlines of every object, and the character of their undulations, and these undulations must be separately studied, as to whether the curves are composed of arched convexities or angular concavities. 49. The nature of the outline. The boundaries of bodies are the least of all things. The proposition is proved to be true. Because the boundary of a thing is a surface, which is not part of the body contained within that surface, nor is it part of the air surrounding that body, but is the medium interposed between the air and the body, as is proved in its place. But the lateral boundaries of these bodies is the line forming the boundary of the surface, which line is of invisible thickness. Wherefore, O painter, do not surround your bodies with lines and above all when representing objects smaller than nature, 
for not only will their external outlines become indistinct, but their parts will be invisible from distance. 50. Definition of Perspective Drawing is based upon perspective, which is nothing else than a thorough knowledge of the function of the eye, and this function simply consists in receiving in a pyramid the forms and colors of all the objects placed before it. I say in a pyramid, because there is no object so small that it will not be larger than the spot where these pyramids are received into the eye. Therefore, if you extend the lines from the edges of each body as they converge you will bring them to a single point, and necessarily the said lines must form a pyramid. Perspective is nothing more than a rational demonstration applied to the consideration of how objects in front of the eye transmit their image to it, by means of a pyramid of lines. The pyramid is the name I apply to the lines which, starting from the surface and edges of each object, converge from a distance and meet in a single point. Perspective is a rational demonstration, by which we may practically and clearly understand how objects transmit their own image, by lines forming a pyramid centered in the eye. Perspective is a rational demonstration by which experience confirms that every object sends its image to the eye by a pyramid of lines, and bodies of equal size will result in a pyramid of larger or smaller size, according to the difference in their distance, one from the other. By a pyramid of lines I mean those which start from the surface and edges of bodies, and, converging from a distance meet in a single point. A point is said to be that which having no dimensions cannot be divided, and this point placed in the eye receives all the points of the cone. Footnote, 50, 1, 5. Compare with this the proem. Number 21. The paragraphs placed in brackets, lines 1, 9, 10, 14, and 17, 20, are evidently mere sketches and as such, were cancelled by the writer, but they serve as a commentary on the final paragraph, lines 20 to 29, 51, in what way the eye sees objects placed in front of it, the perception of the object depends on the direction of the eye, supposing that the ball figured above is the ball of the eye and let the small portion of the ball which is cut off by the line as to be the pupil and all the objects mirrored on the center of the face of the eye, by means of the pupil pass on at once and enter the pupil, passing through the crystalline humor, which does not interfere in the pupil with the things seen by means of the light, and the pupil having received the objects, by means of the light, immediately refers them and transmits them to the intellect by the line of E and you must know that the pupil transmits nothing perfectly to the intellect or common sense excepting when the objects presented to it by means of light, reach it by the line of E, as, for instance, by the line BC. For although the lines MN and FG may be seen by the pupil they are not perfectly taken in because they do not coincide with the line of E and the proof is this, if the eye, shown above, wants to count the letters placed in front, the eye will be obliged to turn from letter to letter, because it cannot discern them unless they lie in the line of E, as, for instance, in the line of C, all visible objects reach the eye by the lines of a pyramid, and the point of the pyramid is the apex and center of it. In the center of the pupil, as figured above, experimental proof of the existence of the pyramid of sight 50 to 55, 52, perspective is a rational demonstration, confirmed by experience, that all objects transmit their image to the eye by a pyramid of lines, by a pyramid of lines I understand those lines which start from the edges of the surface of bodies, and converging from a distance, meet in a single point, and this point, in the present instance. I will show to be situated in the eye which is the universal judge of all objects. By a point I mean that which cannot be divided into parts, therefore this point, 
which is situated in the eye, being indivisible, no body is seen by the eye, that is not larger than this point, this being the case it is inevitable that the lines which come from the object to the point must form a pyramid, and if any man seeks to prove that the sense of sight does not reside in this point, but rather in the black spot which is visible in the middle of the pupil, I might reply to him that a small object could never diminish at any distance, as it might be a grain of millet or of oats or of some similar thing, and that object, if it were larger than the said black spot would never be seen as a whole, as may be seen in the diagram below. Let, be the seat of sight, be the lines which reach the eye, let ed be the grains of millet within these lines, you plainly see that these will never diminish by distance, and that the body and end could not be entirely covered by it. Therefore you must confess that the eye contains within itself one single indivisible point, to which all the points converge of the pyramid of lines starting from an object, as is shown below. Let, be the eye, in the center of it is the point above mentioned. If the line EF is to enter as an image into so small an opening in the eye, you must confess that the smaller object cannot enter into what is smaller than itself unless it is diminished, and by diminishing it must take the form of a pyramid. 53. Perspective. Perspective comes in where judgment fails as to the distance in objects which diminish. The eye can never be a true judge for determining with exactitude how near one object is to another which is equal to it in size. If the top of that other is on the level of the eye which sees them on that side, excepting by means of the vertical plane which is the standard and guide of perspective, let be the eye, EF the vertical plane above mentioned, let a B C D be the three divisions, one below the other, if the lines A N and C N are of a given length and the eye is in the center, then a B will look as large as B C C D is lower and farther off from, therefore it will look smaller and the same effect will appear in the three divisions of a face when the eye of the painter who is drawing it is on a level with the eye of the person he is painting. 54. To prove how objects reach the eye. If you look at the sun or some other luminous body and then shut your eyes you will see it again inside your eye for a long time. This is evidence that images enter into the eye. The relations of the distance points to the vanishing point 55 56. 55. Elements of Perspective. All objects transmit their image to the eye in pyramids, and the nearer to the eye these pyramids are intersected the smaller will the image appear of the objects which cause them. Therefore, you may intersect the pyramid with a vertical plane footnote for, pariot. Compare the definitions in 85, 25, 627. These lines refer exclusively to the third diagram. For the better understanding of this it should be observed that CS must be regarded as representing the section or profile of a square plane, placed horizontally comp, lines 11, 14, 17 for which the word piano is subsequently employed 20, 22, lines 6 13 contain certain preliminary observations to guide the reader in understanding the diagram, the last three seem to have been added as a supplement. Leonardo's mistake in writing T denota line 64 F denota has been rectified, which reaches the base of the pyramid as is shown in the plane and the I and the I are one and the same thing, but the I marks the distance, that is to say how far you are standing from the object, and the I shows you the direction of it, that is whether you are opposite, or on one side, or at an angle to the object you are looking at, and remember that the I and the I must always be kept on the same level. For example if you raise or lower the eye from the distance point you must do the same with the direction point. And if the point shows how far the eye is distant from the square plane but does not show on which side it is placed and, if in the same way, 
the points show the direction and not the distance. In order to ascertain both you must use both points and they will be one and the same thing. If the eye could see a perfect square of which all the sides were equal to the distance between and, and if at the nearest end of the side towards the eye a pole were placed, or some other straight object, set up by a perpendicular line as shown at RS then, I say, that if you were to look at the side of the square that is nearest to you it will appear at the bottom of the vertical plane RS and then look at the farther side and it would appear to you at the height of the point on the vertical plane. Thus, by this example, you can understand that if the eye is above a number of objects all placed on the same level, one beyond another, the more remote they are the higher they will seem, up to the level of the eye, but no higher, because objects placed upon the level on which your feet stand, so long as it is flat even if it be extended into infinity would never be seen above the eye, since the eye has in itself the point towards which all the cones tend and converge which convey the images of the objects to the eye, and this point always coincides with the point of diminution which is the extreme of all we can see, and from the baseline of the first pyramid as far as the diminishing point footnote, the two diagrams above the chapter are explained by the first five lines, they have, however, more letters than are referred to in the text, a circumstance we frequently find occasion to remark, 56, there are only bases without pyramids which constantly diminish up to this point, and from the first base where the vertical plane is placed towards the point in the eye there will be only pyramids without bases, as shown in the example given above, now, let a B be the said vertical plane and the point of the pyramid terminating in the eye and the point of diminution which is always in a straight line opposite the eye and always moves as the eye moves just as when a rod is moved its shadow moves, and moves with it, precisely as the shadow moves with a body, and each point is the apex of a pyramid, all having a common base with the intervening vertical plane, but although their bases are equal their angles are not equal, because the diminishing point is the termination of a smaller angle than that of the eye, if you ask me, by what practical experience can you show me these points? I reply so far as concerns the diminishing point which moves with you when you walk by a plowed field look at the straight furrows which come down with their ends to the path where you are walking, and you will see that each pair of furrows will look as though they try to get nearer and meet at the farther end. Footnote, for the easier understanding of the diagram and of its connection with the preceding I may here remark that the square plane shown above in profile by the line CS is here indicated by EDOP. According to lines 1, 3 AB must be imagined as a plane of glass placed perpendicularly at O page 57. How to measure the pyramid of vision. A. 